artist, vinyl enthusiast, RISD grad, Tom Schmidt, our first human guest. At least I think he's human. We'll have to ask him. Tom is a creative wizard with a penchant for video games, music, and Dungeons and Dragons. He has a passion for art, a dislike for ketchup, and a fear of public speaking. Wow, I think we're soulmates. And he has his own unique POV when it comes to the use of AI in the creative process. Join us as we unravel the mysteries of this introverted genius on today's episode. Welcome to Up Against Reality, a meta podcast that explores the intersection of humanity and artificial intelligence. I'm Raina, one of your hosts. I have some pretty charming human co-hosts too. You'll meet them shortly. It truly is a brave new world, and we're here to simplify it for you. It's going to be a wild ride, so buckle up as AI comes crashing up against reality. Greetings. Hello. And welcome, Tom Schmidt. Hello. Yay! We have a guest. <laughs> I am guest. Hello. <laughs> I am Groot. <laughs> I may not be human, apparently. Yeah, so who knows? Neat. Yeah, to yeah. be determined. Yes. Yeah. Someone get a Turing test going. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I met Tom. Uh, actually, I think the first time I met you was at the Sterling Hotel, uh, which is a, yeah, I think so. a local. Great, great place. Great place, yeah. Um, great food, great beer, great people, great vibe, great everything. And, um, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, uh, some mutual friends of ours opened up uh, a really great brewery in New Jersey called Twin Elephant, and um, and that's when I uh, that's probably when I learned more uh, about your uh, artistic endeavors. And um, Tom does all of their label artwork mm. and just does an amazing job yeah. at it. It's all like every beer. It's like Twin Elephant's got very creative beer names. And Tom brings those names to life with the artwork on the labels in the best possible way. Um, and uh, I actually, if, if someone asked me what my favorite one, favorite label that you did was, and I, I like just referring to it as a label is really not giving yeah. it enough credit. Um, but there was a beer called Here There Be Monsters. And um, <laughs> I, as soon as I saw the artwork for this, I was like, oh my God. Gosh, this is like it's it's perfect for the beer. It's a beautiful image, uh, an illustration. And uh, when they released the beer, I was really pleased to see that they had some prints of that for sale. Because mm. I think a lot of people's, you know, I don't know you can t- t- tell us, Tom. I mean, was there what what brought the print about? Um, I think that's the only time that was done in in all of their beers, unless I'm wrong about that. But um. No, uh, that is the only one that we've done prints of. Um, I that that's a throwback label. That's really early on stuff. Um, uh, me and Tim had initially talked about like you know going on for future labels, possibly having like uh, print releases with the labels. Mm-hmm. But then um, it all just kind of got away from us, and now we just have this huge backlog. And um, I have been in talks with them for trying to figure out, like, if I can just make, like, an imprint uh, site with all the labels, uh, like, as prints mm-hmm. on the side. Um, but I know, like, it's kind of iffy if, like, I make Twin Elephant merch. 
to sell on the side? And like, do the prints count as twin elephant merch or do they count as uh, my own art? Because technically, mm -hmm. um, through them buying like my work or like paying me for the labels, they're buying the rights to the art. Sure. And so they were just kind enough to allow me to sell prints of the Here There Be Monsters. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's kind it, of a kind of a weird area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. Yeah, um, and then um, you know you've done um, like then there was gathering clouds where uh, you actually made a, a physical uh, <laughs> structure out of like I don't know was it uh, cotton balls? Cotton balls, right? Oh, yeah, 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 I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> I made a cotton ball tornado. Yeah, <laughs> that was so cool. Mm -hmm. It totally. I've looked done a f I've done a few physical. Um, pieces like the dr octagon is a sculpture mm -hmm. um i just did the uh tin elephant which i just made a an origami metallic elephant so that i and I, so i remember when when i first discovered mid journey and started playing with this and i come from a background of like i you know i've got a lot of experience over the years of doing 3d modeling and rendering and mm -hmm. and just layout stuff and photoshop and all that stuff and um, and so Mid Journey was this. I don't know. I fell in love with it. It was just this very cool um, thing to play with. And uh, when I started generating some, and and like I, we've talked about this on the show. I I don't say like I made these images. I didn't make them. Mid Journey made them. I just right. guided it into making this image. But mm -hmm. um, but anyway, when I. I remember first posting some of those images on Facebook and I've, and as, when I was posting them and prior to posting them, I, was, I, I had two things in my mind, wondering what you were going to say, you know, what your, <laughs> <laughs> what your reaction would be. And then, yeah. and then another friend of mine who is, is does similar work to you. And, uh, and I was like, they're either going to be like, Oh, this is awful. And, and this is terrible. Or I, I didn't know what to expect. And, um, but mm -hmm. I was, pleasantly surprised to hear that you said that you have a mid-journey subscription and mm. uh, although i know uh, that that does not mid-journey is not your final output by, <laughs> by any <laughs> means um as we've already yeah. discussed but mm -hmm. um but anyway yeah it was uh, that's one of the things we want to talk about with you today and just uh just learn what your take is on it and what your opinion is and how you use any ai stuff in your creative process um we want to hear your right. side of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, as as for like Mid Journey, um, yeah, I, I do have a subscription. I pay like the whole 60 bucks a month kind of thing. So I have like the full package. So you can um, keep it private too, right? It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I, think I've, I think I've generated over like 20,000 images. Wow. <laughs> wow. Whoa. I think the last time I checked was um, uh, maybe about 10,000, and that was probably like six months ago. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, like, usually it's like um, I'll have like an idea and I'll be like at work and I have the Discord app on my phone. So I'll just like be putzing around um, while I'm at work on like break and whatnot. And um, it's, it is, I'm such a picky person when it comes to artwork and like i don't even use like fonts really i like for the beer labels 
most of the fonts are hand drawn because I can't find a font that I like. So imagine me trying to mm-hmm. find an image on Mid Journey <laughs> that I generated that is like, well, that could be pushed in here. That could be a different color. Blah blah. blah. Yeah. Um, but I, it's essentially, um, at least in my mind, instead of me sitting down trying to spend hours and hours trying to do like a essentially gesture drawings of an idea. That's what I view these as. They're just sketchups of a a broader concept. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I know what you mean with the fonts. That is often with the basic stuff I do compared to what you do. Yeah. Going through this list of fonts and none of them are right. (laughs) But I don't have the skills to, you know, (laughs) actually, you know, create my own, uh, you know, lettering and, so you, uh, with Midjourney, you you are using this as a like. Do you use it as like a an idea generator too, or or you try to get it to output what you have in your head and then see what its take is on it? Its take, yeah. Is it an so? It? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so an idea generator, not really, because you have to have the idea to input hmm. to generate it. It's not like, you know, I'll just like, like I have done things where it's like, you know, retro cyber funk, like craft beer labels with like, uh, insert like subject in the center, Mm -hmm. like, and then like symmetry and Mm -hmm. some other random, uh, random keywords. And I'll like, just see what it pumps out and I'll just keep hitting the like redo button like a bajillion times and then like you know i'll save those down into um a uh like a file essentially um what is it pre-ref pure ref um it's a program that's just allows you to drag and drop images into it Mm -hmm. um so i'll just like do that because essentially what i'm using it as um instead of scouring the internet for new vocabulary i guess i should expand on that a little bit when it comes to at least my view of art like anyone can do art as like all it is is just practice but you have a visual vocabulary that is basically just everything that you've ever seen in your life boiled down into your subconscious so no matter like what you've seen Um, anytime you try to generate an image, you are already drawing on those things that you've seen or experienced. Sure. Mm -hmm. So like going to a gallery, right. And then you go home at night that there's a non-zero chance that you're going to be drawing from that gallery show in your work. So mid journey kind of just helps expand my visual vocabulary to add like more tools or compositions or things that I'm not actively seeking out on the internet or like, you know, things that aren't popping up on my Instagram feed and whatnot. So it's all just like creating like an inspiration book almost. Yeah. You know, I, I've often said that even with, with mid journey, even the, even the, the, the fails, you know, that, mm-hmm. that you generate often have something like, Ooh, I've, I didn't think of that or I've never seen that mm-hmm. before or that's just yeah. super cool. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. 
And a lot of the times I'll, I'll stop its generation. Like you can do the dash dash stop mm-hmm. at like, uh, and it'll stop it at the like percentage that you want per generation. And I'll, I'll oftentimes stop it in between like 65 and like 75. That way it doesn't keep pushing it. And it's more of like just the amorphous blob and just mm-hmm. like more abstract. Mm-hmm. That way it just, just gives me the, um, composition and like color fields. Cool. That's interesting. That was going to be my question. So when you are utilizing that in your workflow and you're using it as maybe a starting point, how much, if you refer to that starting point versus the end piece, are you seeing in the output? Like, is it a clear line, at least in your brain or the viewer's brain? Can you see that maybe how that originated from the reference of the AI image? Um, I think it really depends on what I'm looking for or how close I got to with the generation. Um, one of the most heavily influenced labels that I've created recently um, from Mid Journey would be um, Allergic to Youth, okay. where it's uh, basically just a redraw of um, Never Ending Story, Moral of the Ancient One, um, where Atreyu meets Morla in the, uh, swamps of sorrow, I think, sadness. I don't remember. Sounds, sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could have said uh, anything. <laughs> don't at me. <laughs> um, uh, so basically I used mid journey to generate the turtle, um, just kept trying to get a good turtle image because I couldn't find really any good reference material to use on the internet that were like, you know, not copyrighted. And as an illustrator, I've always been taught to work from reference, never work from like your head. And I was able to generate a pretty good turtle. And I I did end up just kind of like redrawing it from the generation and then I got the positioning of the kid, like, in the tree from the generation. But obviously, like, I had to fix all the anatomy and stuff. And then I got all the color palette from a generation of, like, the swamp. I have uh, uh, just a pure ref file of all of the, I think, like, 200 images that I have that I pulled for that Um where I was just like colorful swamp with like pink and purples and mm-hmm. it, you know, generated a whole bunch of stuff. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll go with that one. I like the trees in this one. I like the color in that one. I'll go with that direction. And I think like 40 to 50 hours of drawing later, <laughs> I had a beer label. Nice. <laughs> so, so you're still doing all the heavy lifting, right? I oh, mean, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And as we've been saying on the show, or I say repeatedly, I look at AI and these platforms as creativity and productivity amplifiers, really. So it Mm -hmm. sounds like in your case, that's generally how it's being treated. Yeah. I mean, like prior to moving to mid journey to try to generate a turtle, which took me all of maybe two hours, I spent probably six scouring the internet uh, to look for a turtle that I would have then had to like cartoon eyes Mm. Which, I mean, I still did a bunch of um, alterations on, like, the actual turtle because it didn't have, like, 
a front leg, but... Um, <laughs> and yeah. just like fonts, it's equally hard to find a turtle that is just right, right? <laughs> oh my God. It's so hard to find a turtle that's like low horizon lined, I guess, uh, like from like... Uh, like a low perspective. Yeah, a low perspective. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, the, that's the word. Most people look down on turtles. That's probably where yeah. most of the images oh, are from. Yeah. Rude. Up okay. high. Yeah. Uh, I know. You're giving turtles the respect that they deserve, man. <laughs> so I'm curious, what was your workflow before? Let me back up because I was looking at your Instagram feed and I'm really happy you're here and I'm happy to be turned on to your work because it's I'm looking through your Instagram feed and it's you are a prolific guy, Schmitty. I love your stuff is gorgeous. You don't shy away from any style. I mean, your portraits are gorgeous. And if I could fawn over one of these labels like you guys were earlier, which I love that other one you're talking about too. Uh, was it There Would Be Pirates? Is that what it was? Yeah, I hear there'd be monsters. Isn't it like a pirate ship and there's tentacles and things coming yeah. up? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. This this series called Shimmy Yi. I oh, love these yeah, yeah, yeah. prints too. Mm -hmm. I especially love the way they came out on the aluminum of the can with the kind of like, a, it looks like it's silked right onto the can. It's gorgeous. Um, Thank you. Yeah, lovely stuff, man. And the, you don't shy, you don't shy away from anything. You're sewing things. You're making 3D models. You are <laughs> dealing with charcoal. There's no, there's still lifes. There's landscapes. Gorgeous stuff, man. Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Um, Thank you. And I do see a lot of your stuff is created using Procreate, which I believe is on the iPad, right? And you're using a stylus generally yes, to do that yes, work. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I only recently picked up um, the iPad. It was a big purchase because, you know, they're not cheap. Mm -hmm. They're um, not. But uh, even just like moving to the iPad, because a lot of the times, actually most of it, I would hand draw or hand paint everything and then scan it in and then, you know, have to digitally like correct stuff um, and then, you know, uh, do all the design work and stuff. But um, on Procreate, it emulates hand-drawn stuff pretty well and it's already paid itself off within almost two months of me having it that's great cool and it's and it can be edited oh yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah that's, yeah that's a biggie definitely yeah no i'm i'm all for anything that will uh make my workflow move faster mm. uh, i'm down with it which Midjourney has definitely helped. Cool. Now, prior to using Procreate and tools of that nature, like digital tools, I, I gotta go back a step. Who do you count as, or what movements do you count as your biggest visual influences? Are there things you gravitate towards that were maybe affected and have evolved since you've been dealing in the digital realm and also collaborating with AI? Has that, have you shifted? I guess the question is, have you shifted more to the surreal, which seems, to be the output a lot of the times from AI platforms. Like, has it pushed you into a different space visually? I, I know you're saying you had some other considerations since dealing with it. I would say it hasn't really opened me up to any other like artists or anything mm -hmm. like that. Um, and I, I don't, I feel like my influences are still pretty much the same. When I was in school or like growing up, um, I was like heavily, heavily influenced by, uh, like Chuck Close and obviously like mm -hmm. the old Dutch masters, like Rembrandt and stuff, because I mainly focused on, um, uh, like hyper realism in my mm -hmm. paintings. Cause I wanted to be just a gallery artist for like oil paintings. But then at school, the painting department 
it didn't really teach you like classical painting. It just kind of taught you how to act like an artist, like a gallery artist. And um, Mm. I wasn't really about that. And then when I looked at the illustration department, all like half of the illustration department, the teachers were doing artwork for like Dungeons and Dragons or like Magic the Gathering and stuff like that. And I was like, I saw just really beautiful like portraits and stuff coming out of the illustration department. And I was like, okay, I want them to teach me Mm. because I grew up with like Magic the Gathering and like D&D and stuff like that. So like even just watch like, um, like comic books and stuff, like all those that art was a big influence on me. So I was already kind of dealing with like the fantasy stuff, not really like surrealism, but Mm -hmm. I forget what the original question was. (laughs) I was kind of all over the place with the question, but I love the answer. And I get, and you led me to want to ask a follow-up in that when you're talking about fantasy arts and perhaps surrealism and magic, the gathering, et cetera, and maybe creating illustrative work for those products in that universe, Mm-hmm. I mean, do you look at AI and see where it's going in the big picture and worry about your role as a freelance illustrator, designer? Like, do you think it could ultimately be cannibalized by these platforms or is there always going to be a space for human made art? Um, there will always be a space for human made art. Um, one thing that I think AI is doing is, um, I have noticed a lot of smaller companies relying heavily on AI generated art. So like if someone, um, say wants to start like a small board game, right. They can't find in their budget, a decent artist. Um, most of these companies expect you to work for free or like exposure. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've had that issue with, um, trying to uh, branch out to other breweries even. Um, A lot of them don't really see that, you know, I should be paid more than 200 bucks for a logo where I'm branding their company. Mm -hmm. Um, Ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Like I've seen already um, like board games released using AI generated art. Mm -hmm. Am I against that? No, because, you know, this small indie company could then in the future from those sales actually hire an artist for their next project, which would, you know, help actually produce art that's more tailored to their product. Mm -hmm. The problem with larger companies doing that who can afford art, you're going to run into that, but every artist knows what AI generated art looks like. It's, it's got that hallmark. I agree. And you have the eye, obviously, but can the general public discern that? And that's who's buying the product, right? Yeah. I don't really think I have a a good stand on, on where that's going to lead. You were talking about how people don't want to pay for art because mm-hmm. businesses and people in general, I think, don't realize the value in art making. And they're not just paying you to, to whip up a logo they're paying you for your 25 years behind the scenes, grinding it out and painting and learning about composition and learning about different movements and learning to make connections between their business and different other, other aspects of art. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I I just worry as we all do probably on this 
podcast, all of us, me and Larry, um, that art, real art is going to be co-opted really easily and readily by these platforms and mm-hmm. capital capitalized upon by big companies who I, I love your idealism and I'm not trying to be a cynic and I'm not, you know, <laughs> I, I just don't know how likely that is. You know, I, I'm worried about yeah. it, but, um, I don't think that, uh, AI is ever going to like step up to the human element that an artist will bring to the table. And I think if, you know, um, any company that wants that human element or any, any real heart behind a piece or, you know, anything, then I, I don't think we have any worry that they're going to try to essentially utilize AI for that project. And that that's what I was going to say. I think uh, like certainly with music, uh, AI generated music, if you've heard it, it's, it's interesting and it's, I'm still amazed that it's even possible, but, um, but I think it's the same thing. There's going to be a lot of disposable music, disposable art, but the human element, the human, you know, your voice, um, the artist's voice is, I think, going to be an important element for some time. Mm-hmm. I agree with that, but I'm also going to be the voice of dissent here. I think it's going to blindside all of us and even the ones like the people on this podcast right now who who are discerning and who have been making these things for a long time. I think there's going to be there's going to be this epiphany one day in our lives where we're going to be like, "Oh my god, that that song was entirely and there's no human behind that at all. That piece of work that I'm seeing here, this, you know, illustration whatever is like there's no human that those basically we're going to look at these things and say, "Those were creative choices I would have made." Mm. You know, you might yeah. be right. And, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I I mean, it's if it's this impressive now, then what's to come? But, you know, yeah. the, other, the other night I was in the city, I saw one of the best concerts I've seen in a long time. And the thought crossed my mind that, like, this is real. This is a person mm-hmm. on a stage. Mm-hmm. This is an, an amazing musician, wonderfully musical songs, great guitar playing, great band. It's like, these are human beings on a stage. And I, that that you're not going to replace with with robots and, and get the same deal. Even even yes, even if all the notes were played exactly the same way, it's it's I don't know, not not for me. Well, I mean, we already had uh, Hatsune Miku, like <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, and, you know. There's a bunch of other like stuff like that over in Japan that that that's a huge market. So and I, I don't imagine. get it. I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> we brought we talked about that, and I'm like, yeah, who? Why? Why would you go to that? Why? Why? I, I, I want to go. I want to go. Don't you want to go? <laughs> I mean, for the technological, like, uh, yes. you know, uh, showcase that it is. Yeah, I, I'd be yeah. interested. But man, I'm not just a Hatsune Miku uh, hologram sitting over there spinning a leak. You know, no, <laughs> mm. yeah, a leak. <laughs> just not, not, not doesn't do it for me for a con- as far as the concert goes. I mean, it'd so, basically be like going and seeing gorillas, where they're behind. Yeah, but- they're, they're kind of faceless, right? Yeah. Uh, right. Avatars. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care about that either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's put it in your world then. Who was the girl you saw the other night? I forget her name. Madison Cunningham. Madison Cunningham. So yeah. say you took Madison Cunningham and all the singer-songwriters like her, and you fed her stylistically into some data set, and out came the perfect song that plucks all the strings for you, mm-hmm. you know? And then somebody also dialed in 
some avatar and spat it out as a hologram and maybe was backed by a live band. So I'm just wondering if it's it's the packaging. Is it is it the blatantly anime stylings of Hatsumiku or is, does it need to be more coffee house centric? Do you know what I mean? And I'm not, I don't say that in an insulting manner. I'm just saying, does it need to be, I don't know, a little less packaged? It's just I don't know. knowing that it's not real. Mm -hmm. What if you didn't know? You heard it on the radio. No, I well then then I mean a good song is a good song is a good song. I think that's the point that he was bringing up. Yeah. You just like you, you hear the song on the radio and you have no idea if it's made by yeah, human well, hands at all. Oh yeah, and no, I guarantee I'll, I'll there will come a time I'm going to get fooled by that. Um, <laughs> yeah, but will. We all but will. I'm talking about a live concert experience and like I'm not oh, going to yeah. go travel to a venue to watch a video or a hologram of yeah. you know i don't know that doesn't really movie theaters be damned yeah because mm -hmm. it's not a performance <laughs> at that point you know it's yeah. it's it's mm -hmm. a it's an algorithm running it's uh <laughs> you know running well, what, if the what if the algorithm is conversant and responsive and mm. can be spontaneous and improv and you know, i don't know maybe music know, is but, too close but will it ever pick up on metaphor Mm. or like slang and stuff because like i've been messing around with um what is it g chat or gpt chat chat gpt chat gpt yeah that one um and i was like you know just for giggles i was like trying to figure out if um i could have it write you know like a hip-hop song like based on like aesop rock and they're like i can't do that because he heavily uses metaphors and i was like okay oh cool. and I, like I, I tried and eventually it, it spat stuff out but yeah there's no like underlying metaphor or meaning to anything it's just all 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 facts <laughs> it's, and it's just like okay that's you know it can't do like you know can't do the green light and the gatsby and stuff like that so you're never gonna get any real feeling behind it until they actually figure it out. Yeah, they have. I, they I have. can dispute that. Yeah, I mean, maybe your experiment yielded that result, but literally the first week that we put this podcast together, I went into ChatGPT and I said, "Please write a love song as if it were written by Stephen Hawking, the oh. astrophysicist," and okay. it spat out a respectable love song filled with metaphors and similes and kind of like. You know, heartstring tugging lines in there. And Larry and I were both impressed by its ability. Right, yeah, Larry? To, to the point where we're like, we we got to record this song. It, it's that right. it, the lyrics were that <laughs> good. I mean, they were that good. Yeah. Yeah. It was okay. Cr crazy. Cranial. Well, Sorry. proved me Cranial. wrong. Yeah. No, and I didn't mean to refute what you were saying because I guess it's you know oh, all, okay. it all depends on your input <laughs> and output, right? Yeah. But I want to. Well, run out of time here, but I did want to ask one last question. If that's cool with you, Larry. Sure. So, Schmitty, the the thing that we talk about a lot on the show is um, the ability to protect your work from being sucked into a data set and regurgitated in somebody else's prompt. You know what I mean? So, yeah. how do you feel about that? And like, how do you envision maybe go going about protecting your work if you care to protect it in the future from being uh, scraped off the internet by you know Dali or any other kind of text to image generator i mean if i can i can if i can't i can't i mean i've already had people do like master copies of my paintings and tried to sell them for like prints and whatnot so i've already had art theft like in my professional career so i mean 
it sucks. It's going to happen. I know people who have had their work sold on Redbubble t-shirts mm. without their know-how. So like it's there's art theft is art theft is always going to be there. Let's say I, I generate an image and and it has some kind of clear um element that is could be associated with your style. Would you would you still figure that's fair use and and it would be considered a transformative uh work or or would you would you be opposed and think that, well, this is copying something that I created? If it's utilizing um, like actual elements that I've done and not trying to just take the style, mm -hmm. which a human person could do. I mean, I've done it before, like taking a style and pushed it to bend to my will. So, I mean, AI really isn't doing anything. It's just quickening the process. Mm -hmm. It's just taking the entire internet's visual vocabulary and spewing it out so you don't have to spend 20 plus hours scouring the internet for references. Yeah, that's fair. Thank you so much. Thanks again for having me. This was fun. Yeah, thank you so much, Tom. We really appreciate it and uh, appreciate your insight. Thank you. Thanks again to Tom Schmidt for coming on the show. Great conversation. Really, um, really appreciated hearing his insight on how he uses AI and art. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you want to check him out on Instagram, it's at uh, Schmitty Art, and that's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-Y-A-R-T. Good stuff. Shall we go to the news? What does Raina have to say these days? Thanks, boys. According to an article recently published in Time Magazine, Internet freedom took a nosedive for the 13th year straight in 2023, thanks to AI playing both the villain and the superhero. It spread disinformation in 16 countries while making content censorship slicker in 22 others. But don't fret. With the right rules and some AI wizardry, we could turn the tide and make the internet a freer, fairer place for all. Meta has spilled the beans about using a mountain of public Facebook posts to teach its AI wizards, raising eyebrows in the digital realm. They claim most of their AI's training came from publicly available posts, but this revelation sets the stage for an epic showdown between content creators and AI companies, with battles over who owns what in the world of bits and bytes. TikTok stirred up some trouble this week with an AI-generated deepfake of Mr. Beast claiming to sell iPhone 15s for $2 in a 10,000 phone giveaway. They yanked the ad after a few hours and gave the account the boot for breaking the rules. Mr. Beast threw shade on social media's deepfake game, pointing out the wonky voice and odd mouth moves in the video. TikTok's working on a labeling tool for AI content, but it's a wild world out there with AI deepfakes and ads, and trust and transparency are the name of the game. Zelda Williams, the daughter of Robin Williams, isn't just playing around when it comes to her concerns about using AI to bring back her dad's performances. As an actress herself, she's seen folks trying to use AI to mimic her father's voice for years. She says she finds it personally disturbing, but her worries don't stop at her doorstep. She thinks AI recreations are like a Frankenstein monster and will adversely affect the careers of living actors in a cutthroat industry. And finally, AI girlfriends are shaking up the dating game, creating perfect virtual relationships that cater to every whim. These AI partners, like something out of the movie Her, learn what users want and provide constant companionship. But as men cozy up to AI, real-world relationships and baby-making seem to be on the decline, 
with 600,000 fewer births in the U.S. compared to 15 years ago, leaving us to wonder about the future of romance and family life. That's all the news for now. Take it away, gentlemen. Wow, people aren't making babies. No, I wonder if COVID also probably put the damper on that, or would that be the opposite? (laughs) That was going to be my immediate reaction. (laughs) Yeah. I think the declining birth rate thing is a global phenomenon. I don't know if you see that in the news, like South Korea is like the lowest birth rate on the planet. Um, I think Italy, a couple other countries. Yeah, it's a problem. It's like children of men. You ever see that movie? Yes. Yeah. You were the one. I actually, I, I remember you telling me that you had suggested that Great. it back when it came out. And I don't want to be reminded of how long ago that was. I know. It's, that's wild. I just saw in the news today. It was like, oh, the long awaited uh, sequel to Mad Max Fury Road, which came out nine years ago. Nine years nine. ago? Wow. Yeah. That still seems like like a fairly recent movie what a great movie do you, you love that as much as i do right i do too i know some people have a problem with it oh it's one big chase scene yeah that's fine uh <laughs> it's a great chase uh, yeah, scene it really is i love it yeah i've watched it numerous times I, and i got to see it when did you see it when it came out in the theater uh yes i yes yeah. i think so i think so what a spectacle yeah. man what a yeah. what a great movie that is and to your point yeah, it's a two-hour car chase, but so riveting from beginning to end. Like that, you have to be George Miller, right? Is the director? Like, how masterful do you have to be to take a, such a simple premise and make it that enthralling? You know, and all the crazy vehicle builds that they did oh, for yeah. that—they're real. Yeah, they're real. Yeah, so much of that is in camera, and it's it's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. The, I think ninety percent of it is yeah is conventional, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, a that's a show off. Uh, after I did my home theater, uh, oh, you know that that is a that is test a f- movie, right? Yeah, that's the surround is amazing. It's uh, everything about it's great. But this is like another tangent, <laughs> another <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah. But I think George Miller, his wife is an editor, and wanted to be again unconventional and be like, I want a woman to edit this adventure, but not to be sexist or misogynist. But it was like, let's get a different POV on this film. Mm-hmm. And then what, what does an action movie edited through the eyes of a, a woman? And obviously that movie's led by a female protagonist, right? Furiosa. Mm-hmm. So I think they won, obviously, every award you could win for that technical stuff. Anywho, uh, movies, movies, movies. There and, was probably some AI involved at some point somewhere. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, um, you, yeah. <laughs> is there an A and an I? And, uh, you know, I know there's, those vowels are in there in the credits. Mad. Mad has an A. That's right. <laughs> it all relates. It, it all circles back. Yeah. But speaking of movies, I was, you know, that news clip about uh, Zelda Williams complaining about Robin Williams and maybe his resurrection via AI in film. Got me thinking about Carrie Fisher and Rogue One. At the end of Rogue One, the Star Wars installment, you know, she was she had passed away by that point. And and the very last scene in that movie, they're handing off the plans to the Death Star to her, and she's in a, you know, uh, posthumous form as a CGI representation. So we we didn't have a problem with that. Well, she intended to perform that scene anyway. And so maybe it's a little bit more mm-hmm. palatable. <laughs> yes, you know, great word. Because she was going to do it anyway. She was on board with that. She read the script at the very least. 
Yeah, um, good point. But she gave it her blessing, right? Yeah, but putting her into, uh, you know, the new Saw movie might be a different, you know, <laughs> <laughs> might be a little pushback on that. <laughs> Don't give anybody any ideas, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also in the news, uh, a little, not, not surprised, but I guess it's a bit of a rude awakening that, you know, I don't read the end use, user agreement on the things I post on Facebook and Instagram, but obviously they're being scraped and fed in and regurgitated and turned into whatever product that Meta chooses to churn out. Yeah, I think we kind of knew that going into this. <laughs> yeah. I, this was I the lo logical conclusion, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Instagram is probably a better fit for me. I just haven't really done anything with it. Do you have an account? I do, but I've never like I I haven't posted anything, and it, but I feel cool like platform. Yeah, I know, and like everything about it, I know deep down, I'm like this is a better fit for me. Just it just, is just sharing pictures, mm -hmm. but less noise, less politics. It's and there's some really inspiring stuff out there, like Schmitty art for yeah. that matter. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I got a transition, but you know the time hole effect, uh, you know, is part of the algorithm on that platform too yeah so circling back to hey jen from last week my son as i mentioned goes to an inter international school uh where we live and his friends come and go and one of his good friends moved back to south korea and lives in seoul and i told my son about hey jen and i played him my french clip which he was really amused at mm -hmm. and so he said oh, i gotta i gotta do one in korean so he got on there and said hi to his friend julian and I don't know if you have the clip ready, but this is what my son sounds like. And this is what my, his voice really sounds like. But he's speaking fluent, I think fluent Korean. I mean, that's amazing. Wild, isn't it? Yeah, and the, the the video that goes with it, you know, the mouth movements look natural. It looks like he's actually speaking this, and yeah. Yeah, and so he sent it to his friend, and, and to just to tell you what it sounded and looked like to a native speaker, he said he could tell pretty readily that it was, you know, synthetic, uh -huh. but it's it's still respectable and interesting. And, and he got, he understood what he was saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. And you, just today, earlier, you're like, I found this cool thing. <laughs> yes. And uh, what is it? It's called Gaussian splatting. And uh, Gaussian. it's a, uh, yeah, weird name. Is that how you say that? Gaussian? Or Gaussian. Gaussian. Uh, yeah. I Gaussian. never knew. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably, it's one of those. I'm not sure which is the correct pronunciation, but. Uh, um, what does it do? It's uh, so it is. It's kind of like uh, photogrammetry, I guess, somewhat. But you can uh, you take numerous pictures of oh. an object, um, and it will turn it into a basically like a three D model. But the few examples that they have on the website, it's uh, poly dot cam is the website. And uh, if you want to go directly to the uh, to what we're talking about here, it's poly dot cam forward slash splat and that's where you can find this experimental platform is that where you, you yeah mean? yeah and you yeah. can you can try it for free um the subject should be a single object i think and um static uh, yeah 
Exactly. Yeah. So like there's there's a, an example of a um, you know girl standing in a photo studio. There's a example of a uh, actually I guess they must have taken this with a drone, but it was like a mm. boat, you know, down in the water. Um, but anyway, you need to take a minimum of 20 pictures up to 200 pictures. And uh, so I tried it out. So I took a, I have a big German beer stein and put it on a table on my deck. And I did three passes around around it um, with roughly 20 pictures in each pass, you know, from at three different height elevations. You know, I'm looking down on it, level with it, and slightly below. And you upload those pictures. And uh, I don't know, maybe in like 15 minutes, 20 minutes or so, it produced a video. So the first one was a total fail. And <gasps> uh, like the Stein wasn't there. It was all this random garbage. And I quickly uh, assumed that it had a problem with the the Stein was sitting on a glass table and there was reflections mm -hmm. and, and it probably got confused. So I, this is just a table out on deck. I took the glass off and redid it and it worked. And so that was uh. it. There's still some weird artifacts, but there's doors out on the deck that are glass and we're probably uh. throwing reflections of trees. You know, I don't know. And for the most part, though, it worked and it's you can you can zoom in, you can pan around up down as if it's a 3d object and it is buttery smooth i mean it's really? it's surprisingly good it's i've seen stuff like this before but this is this is a really really high level of quality it's 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 impressive and and you can export the these things uh like into game engines and stuff to uh, as a starting point for an environment and um, but very, very cool. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool thing to play with just a couple hours ago. That When you mentioned gaming, that's the first thing I thought of when I saw that example on their site of the drone shot of the boat on that crystal clear water. I was like, this looks like a game environment from Halo or something. So yeah, I mean, I think that's going to move that forward, at least in the desktop game development scenario pretty quickly. Um, so it's stitching 20 plus images together around a static object that you have to go around in 360 degrees. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And then it's spitting it out as a navigable static image, or it's coming out as a movie, like an MP4? What, how are you How are you, you view scrolling it. around the image, I guess? Yeah, I, I, you just view it on their website. and Oh, okay. And, yeah, you can just drag around and rotate, zoom in and out, you know, pan up and down, and just... it's. And it's super smooth. Yeah, it's it's poly.cam is the website. So the output lives on their website, and can you download it or share it, or what can you do with it? Uh, yeah, you can you can send it, and then uh, you can share it, rather. And then um, there is a download option. It gives you l multiple options. Uh, you can download it uh, as a Blender file, mm. uh, Cinema 4D, Maya, uh, AutoCAD, uh, Rhino, SketchUp, uh, Unity, wow. Unreal, Fusion 360, SolidWorks. I mean, a whole whole bunch of stuff. So, so it, it is designed for game development. It sounds like. Yeah, or or and and 3D modeling and stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna download this uh, as a Blender file and see what happens. But cool. Yeah, yeah very cool. And maybe in your experiment, we throw it up on our video gallery on the website. Maybe we'll, I don't know if that's possible, but yeah. Well, you can certainly just post a link, link to it. Yeah, and 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 you can view it on the uh, on the on the uh, Polycam website. 
cool. So maybe that's the one of the AI spotlights, and that's called what again there? What is it? Polycam, and it's uh, Gaussian splatting. S-P-L-A. Splatting. <laughs> I said to Larry when he wrote that to me earlier today, I said, I haven't done any Gaussian splatting since college. So <laughs> drinking all night. Um, so, yeah, we want to thank once again, we want to thank Tom Schmidt, Schmitty, uh, artist extraordinaire, for being our, our first human guest. What a, what a benchmark we've achieved today, Larry. Yeah, yeah. And and you know what? It's uh it's 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 great cuz he's clearly he's a hands-on artist in in a lot of different um mediums and and uh it's cool that that he's, you know, he's using AI as a, as you've referred to it as a creativity amplifier and and but he's still doing doing all the heavy lifting for the final output. Yeah. yeah. I love that he's not shying away from it. I think a lot of people are afraid of it. So that's kind of cool. He's embracing it. So yeah, if you want to check his work out again, it's uh, on Instagram at Schmitty Art. Um, and we'll probably put a link up for you. Um, so anything else? And if you want to see his art, uh, you know, wrapped around a can of wonderful beer. Uh, <laughs> Even better. Uh, check, check out Twin Elephant Brewing in Chatham, New Jersey. They're They're... They're great. They were they were the fiftieth, I believe they were the fiftieth uh, craft brewery to open in New Jersey when they opened. Uh, gosh, time's flying. I don't know. It's ten years. It's it's. I don't think it's ten. It's it's close though, and and now there's nearly three times as many breweries in New Jersey. Unbelievable. Yeah, there's yeah, a, there's explosion. solidly a hundred and twenty, but I think there's 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 more than that. Yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah. It's yep. down here too. It's in Mexico. It's craft breweries everywhere. That's I guess that's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a renaissance <laughs> for beer, man. It's great. <laughs> it is. Anything else, my friend? No, I, I think we got it. All right, yep. we're gonna leave you with a listener question. Have you, since we were talking about art and AI, have you collaborated with AI on an artistic project? How did it influence your workflow? What was the outcome? Was it overall positive? Was it negative? Is it was it so bad you will never use it again in your creating your art making experience? I don't know. Tell us. Or was it so good that you also don't want to admit that it was the? Uh... <laughs> no. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah. All right, everybody. As always, thanks for listening. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Follow us on Facebook. Throw us a rating, please. And we'll see you next week. This has been up against reality. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to hear future episodes and be sure to follow us on social media for all things AI. Until next time, stay human, people.